Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hey, it's your financial maven, Samantha mittman Besnoff, CPA. And after almost 25 years in the accounting world, I've decided to share my insights and passion about money. Knowing your money and hopefully feeling less stressed about your money is what I call being financially empowered. Welcome to the Your Financial Maven podcast. As I mentioned last week in my part one with Kelly Reddy Hefner, Certified Financial Planner, our conversation was wonderful and so informative that we actually shifted it a bit, and I wanted to share the rest of that conversation in this part two. And in this conversation, we really shift and start talking about saving and putting money away and setting up goals and how important it is to do this. So check out my part two with Certified Financial Planner, Kelly Reddy Hefner. Do you give your clients an idea of how often they sit down and kind of review where they were, where they are, and where they want to go when it comes to their finances? Yes. So at least once a year, and usually the stereotypical time is, of course, like right before or right after the new year, you're reassessing everything. But I'm like, (laughs) don't destroy everything. I think we tend to start in like, oh, I just got to like throw it all away and start over. But make it manageable. Like, okay, there were probably things there that are still the foundation of what you want to do. Build from that. Really give yourself some great room to grow. Like you're maybe not going to check everything off the list, but pick a couple things that are reasonable and doable. Pick something that's like a reach goal. You know, it's a reach, but yeah, I think it is really important to always be reassessing where you're at. Certain banks have platforms where you can track so you can put money in and you can see like if you're working towards a new car purchase, you can set up a mini fund and say, I want to get to 20,000. I'm doing a thousand per month towards that goal. And you can see your progress. Like it makes it super easy. Like if you want to do it in two years or under, well, that's what you'd have to do. And if you're After year one and you only have $3,000, you can see you're off target. And I think you're right. A lot of banks nowadays, actually a lot of the online banks, I mean, from when we grew up in the 70s and 80s, you know, college in the 90s, having the internet and the technology has really changed how we use our money, how we get our money. And the banks too, there are a lot of virtual online banks that do this actually, which I think is fabulous that... It is that goal setting. It's just put a little bit away and you can see what goal is that going to and able to reassess it and 
Sure, there could be stress involved in that, but it is important to review everything. Don't get us wrong, right? We both have done emotional buying. It does happen. And I think it's a matter of saying it's okay. (laughs) It's okay if you do that, right? Like, Don't beat yourself up over it. Yeah, come back. I think it's when you don't come back, like you have the emotional spend and then you're like, oh, the whole plan you know, we'll just scrap the whole thing. We're done. I mean, it is the people that can keep coming back and be productive again. Like, okay, I'm going to loop back, re-engage because it's not like you're not ever going to fall off or something happens out of control. Like, you know, for college students, it can be like, hey, the mini fridge breaks and mom and dad are like that. It was one mini fridge per year. That's on you. So, you know, there's going to be spending items that come up that aren't, you know, necessarily in the budget, but that's why having a nice buffer too, having that little emergency fund is super important so that when those things come up, it isn't like you have to go ask for help. You have to put it on a credit card. You have to do without something you really need, you've saved up, you know that that could happen and you've got a resource to tap into. Absolutely. I think being in college and having your first credit card, I don't know, you know, if you would agree or if you see that financial literacy for even younger, you know, when they're getting into middle school, high school age, before they get out into the world after high school, I don't know how you view or if you've seen or you talk to your friends do they really even talk to their kids about money or do they model for their kids? Because I know that's one of the things that I'm trying to do is kind of help people. Like, it's okay to talk to your kids about money. I mean, I'm very honest with my boys. They know how much our house costs. They know what it costs to do this and that. I'm not afraid to tell them what my husband makes. So I don't know what you're seeing. Yeah, there's probably not enough conversation out there. And especially like big things. So like when they're starting out, like middle school, the big thing is, of course, like, you know, just the activities they want to do and driving. Like, so those are two big expenses to be like, this is what we're going to cover. This is what you're going to cover and having some open and candid conversation. By the time college, I still think it is a persistent problem that we don't talk candidly about. This is a big financial commitment. Like the difference between paying $10,000 per year for school, $30,000, $65,000 per year. Those are huge gaps between each of those price points. And then understanding like you make the decision now, what does it mean when you graduate? Like what is that student loan payment going to be when you graduate? And how does that compare to how much money you're making? Like connecting the dots, like, will that make enough money to pay your rent and your student loan payment for this decision? So I think having that type of conversation is super important. Like $30,000 for four years equals this. This is what's paid. This is a loan. This is what happens when you graduate. And this is how much you'd have to make per year in a new career to kind of help get you off the ground to get you into your own place and doing those things. And I think you had mentioned pre-recording just the apartment situation. I do think the college apartment is a great launching pad. I'm like, so many mysteries uncovered. Like it is their first time. Like what happens if one of the roommates leaves? Like you had this divided by this many people. And, And actually that happened to me my senior year at Pitt that my one roommate up and left. And my other roommate and I were like, well, what do we do? 
Like we still have this rent to pay. How do we do it? Do we just do it between the two of us or do we find a third person? And it can be a little daunting. It sure can, you know, and they're still maneuvering the dynamics of the social pieces too. Like how to say to someone, hey, you need to give us notice. Like we can't just do this or how do we find a new roommate, you know, that's compatible. So there's all the social things and then, you know, I think that's where we can help them at least ask those questions. Well, you know, it's an extra $200 per month for the rent and all the utilities are now divided by a different number of people. I think that's the first, you know, big step towards their independent is, you know, kind of seeing that process and navigating that for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's a little scary. And it's interesting. And part of what I'm going to be talking about through some of my podcasts is this whole idea with technology and this digital world we live in. I mean, yeah, there's cryptocurrency, there's Bitcoin, that kind of thing. But the idea that you can pick up your phone and pay with your phone, that I can transfer you money with my phone. We didn't have that when you and I were growing up. Like we had to have cash, physical cash and coins. And what are your thoughts on this whole, you know, like, okay, I'm calling it Accra Shore, but it's always going to be Heinz Field or Three River Stadium, right? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but they're cashless now. Yes. Hershey Park is cashless. Like, what are your thoughts on this whole way of the digital world and how we, again, communicate or talk to our kids or anybody about it? Because, you know, even our parents, like for them, I think it's got to be completely alien and that whole trust and security. So like, I'd like to hear your thoughts about the whole digital virtual world of money. It makes things really complicated. So like on the one hand, tracking things, like if you're Venmoing people and you get a big influx, like you bought the tickets and then everyone pays you back. Like it is just hard to connect, as you know, with accounting, like the ins and outs like need to match and make sense. And it is very hard to conceptualize the ins and outs with all the digital transactions and, you know, to make sure that they're not overdrafting things or, you know, getting themselves in a bad situation. So nearly impossible to track. And then the security too, I think, you know, just a lot more openness to just putting bank account information out there, putting credit card numbers out there. And we have so much hacking and so much fraud. You really have to be diligent about where you share your information and how you share it. Like everything should be encrypted. You should really only use as well-vetted resources as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, you know, fees and things like it's a lot to think about. So I guess, you know, for budgeting, it is probably like that bucket, like you still need to have like your entertainment bucket, your food bucket. And if you are going to pay for something for other people, you still need to figure out how to, um, I'm trying to think of the old school word. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm totally, but like, mom brain. I know you need to like go through your account and kind of, oh, reconcile. Reconcile. Yes. So we used to have our checkbook and physically with a pen, but like, you don't have to be in there every day, but like, you kind of at least once a week to be like, what do things look like? Did I do this transaction? I'm amazed when the kids are like, oh, I got charged twice. Like, what do I do about that? Need to call someone and get your money back. It's time for a money break. Welcome back from our money break. 
Well, and it's not even about that. Like, it's also fraud. Like, it's that whole thing with the fraud. Like, I know for Tyler, you know, he has a credit card now. He's had it for about a year, year and a half. And twice he's had fraudulent transactions and he'll call me and I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, you see the number on the back of your credit card? <laughs> I'm like, you need to call. You need to confirm who you are, validate whether or not you had these payments and they'll have to send you a new card. But again, it happens so instantaneously now that you don't pay attention. Yeah, it's very hard. We're in a very fast-paced environment. I think we are busier. I can't decide if it's because we, maybe a a couple of us were a little less busy, like early (laughs) in 2020, but now this last summer, maybe (laughs) like we were busy different in sweatpants, but still doing things. But this summer and probably even last year too, just a lot more hurried, like just things feel a lot faster. So for young adults, you still need to make time to prioritize money and like, where is it? Where is it going? Is it going where you thought it was going? How to protect it? How to kind of think ahead for what's coming up? Like, I think that's, yeah, not a strength either. Yeah. And you know, I get the whole thing, you know, all the time. Well, I don't have enough money. You know, how can I put money away? Well, even if you put $5 or a dollar away, just that act of putting something away and not touching it gets you into that habit. Like they got to do something to help them balance all of that. Yep. All about the habits. There's that formula, like 50, 30, 20, you know, 20% should be going away. 30% is like your variable expenses. So for a young adult, it's food, entertainment, and then 30% is your fix, like your rent, your utilities. So kind of thinking through, like, even if you start off with that basic goal, like, can you make those numbers work? But again, if you can't do 20%, do something, do anything. Like we think if it's not a thousand, it's nothing. Well, $10 is still better than zero. Exactly. And I agree with you. You're still going to feel stressed about your money, right? We're always going to have emotion. We're always going to have stress. But if we can, like you said, a habit, what does it take? 21 days to really build that habit. So it's coming up with that plan and saying, okay, but not kicking yourself in the butt or the foot or whatever it is if you don't meet that. It's also giving yourself grace about your money and not being so set in stone. Wouldn't you agree in that regards? Yeah, I mean, habits are formed when you finally do them on a consistent basis too, and actually feel like, okay, there's all kinds of things out there that use those philosophies, like so much, you know, philosophy around the psychology and habits. I know we have people reading books like Atomic Habits to try to figure out how to get in that mindset of that repetition and making it enjoyable might be a stretch of a word, but like tolerable to do the things. Because I think when we can start to see the outcomes, it does help give us some motivation to keep going, like little, little outcomes. So like, I think we do focus sometimes on like, well, if I do this, I'm gonna have $15,000 in the bank. Well, let's work towards 1000. Like, like, let's work for towards $200. Like, little increments and then the small successes small successes yep okay is there any other story or anything else you'd love to share just about money and about you know in particular just like 
about being able to account for your money? Like anything you just think might be important for my listeners to want to hear or know about? Well, I mean, I think in terms of, you know, just being responsible and kind of thinking things through. I mean, I think we see experiences where like as young adults, not being observant, not prioritizing, and then all of a sudden getting to like a fairly stressful, bad place. Like the things aren't manageable. The debt payment's not doable. The rent cannot be paid. There are repercussions. There's things on credit reports. So, you know, if you can avoid that scenario as best as possible, that is always advisable. Like the earlier you start being conscientious about the value of your money and not just a dollar for a dollar, but like good health, good habits, just the impact it has overall, the easier it is. But again, you can start at any time. We sometimes think, well, we're too deep, but that's not the case either. Just earlier is better, but any time is better than never. Like just pick something and start to tackle it. Like, all right, I'm going to be better about the budget and I'm going to cut some out of like the spending on food and entertainment. It's almost always food and shopping right? for the most <laughs> part. Yeah. Starbucks. From, <laughs> yeah. When I'm like, you know, are you never going to go to Starbucks again? No. But like, do you need to go three times a day? Also probably no. Like how about, you know, Friday morning, pick me up. Like, I think we always think we're alone. Like I'm the only person that is not living my largest, best life. But that's not the case. Most people might be making choices that they really can't afford to keep up. So don't judge yourself by what you see. Like you got to know what you can do and you got to live in a way that makes sense for you. Yeah, wonderful. I love all of your advice and everything that you've talked about today. And I think it's important and... I don't know, maybe we'll have another time where we can chat and maybe do another podcast. And I'm reaching out to a lot of my listeners and hoping that they're going to ask some questions and some stories about money. So I'd love to have you back to do this. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. When you want to do the empty nester version to wild (laughs) moms out there trying to keep good decisions. Next year. Next year. Next year. (laughs) Yep. We can do that one. I would love it. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. I want to hear from you. Do you have questions about money? Would you like to share your money stories with me? Like a time when you felt really stressed about money? Visit www.yourfinancialmavenpodcast.com and leave me anything you want to tell me about money. The purpose of this podcast is to provide general information on the subjects discussed. It is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. You should consult your CPA, accountant, or tax professional for all of your specific financial needs or situations. Credits. Producer, Your Financial Maven, LLC, and Samantha M. Besnoff, CPA. Music, composition, writing, and recording by my amazing cousin, Dan Shore. Podcast editing by Chris Zarnock of KM Zen Creative. A special thank you to the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio and to PNG and MasterCard for creating and sponsoring the inaugural class of the Seneca Women Podcast Academy. 
A special thank you to my mentor, Katrina Norvell, for guiding and giving me the confidence that I needed when I didn't think I could do this. A special thank you to all of the women who are also a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Academy. You are some of the most amazing, brilliant, bright women that I know, and I am so blessed to be a part of this group with you. I am so excited for all of your podcasts and where things will go for all of us. And a very special thank you to all of my family and my friends. You know who you are. Without your love and support for me and my life-changing aspirations, I would not be where I am today. Thank you. Your Financial Maven is a production of the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.